discover Star Trek Discovery with us as we recap and critique the episodes with a little sass and humor. Okay, maybe a lot of sass and laughter. Ready to laugh with us? Hello, and welcome to Trekkie and Beyond, a Star Trek podcast. I'm Manika. And I'm Andrea. And welcome to episode six of season three. It's called Scavengers. And guys, this episode takes place about three weeks after the last episode. And we see that Discovery has had a lot of improvements, a lot of updates, a lot of, oh my gosh, yay, finally, you're learning something about the past and the future, which is your future, but it doesn't really make sense, but it's all working together. And it's happening. The Discovery crew is feeling more and more like the actual part, like they're actually a part of Starfleet. So before we go this deep dive into this whole episode because there's a lot to talk about in this episode and I don't know if it's all good or bad Monica what were your initial reactions so you know I like away missions so I like this one I'm just (laughs) upset at the writers for writing Michael's character this way because I'm like throughout this I'm like Michael really really are you doing this right now (laughs) (laughs) about your back you're doing this like really <laughs> so I, I'm frustrated but it's um I think everyone acted out well I like the effects I like the action I just wish that her character um was better developed what about you I thought this episode was both like I'll give it like a B minus um because oh I got three out of five which is still, I think it'll be mine. It doesn't matter because like you said, Michael has some issues in this episode where it was, um, and I think I pointed it out from past episodes that Michael is not 100% Starfleet anymore. Um, and so it's, a lot of that came out. We have a lot of the old Michael who makes rash decisions and believes her way is the only way or believes because she thinks it's important. Everyone should think, think it's important. And it's very annoying and it's very tired and it's very like drawn out. But I loved, I loved seeing um, everyone else in Discovery being so excited to get their new toys, um, to see how they were integrating, to learn that they finally... Um, that they're finally like sort of acclimating to the, the present um, and learning that like, and trying to find their like their, their, um, their foothold within Starfleet now, um, knowing that they're the one ship that can just jump anywhere. So it was nice to see that they're finally sort of finding their way into this new future. But it's also just sort of annoying that we're, like you said, like the writers are sort of giving us the same type of Michael who like, at this point, it's like she never learned. It's like, I get that the ends justify the means, so to speak, but it's also just stop blatantly disregarding orders because you think, you think they don't apply to you because you know better. And it's like, I don't know, maybe I feel like a broken record. It's like, every time she does this, it does not end well for her. So why? Why do you keep doing this? <laughs> Let's go ahead and just sort of jump in this episode because I feel like I could just keep talking about everything and this is supposed to just be my initial reaction. <laughs> Me too. So deep dive. So the first part about this episode, or I guess the main part of this episode that I really love before we get into the whole Michael situation, because that could be like a long winded talk for us. Yeah. Um, 
Discovery is getting updated. We are seeing that they're now being integrated with the pro uh, programmable matter and that like the ship, we see parts of the ship were able to like disengage from each other, but then come back, um, like and reconnect, um, that they all have the now the new little um, badges that sort of act as everything in one. So in my mind, I, I equated it to how back in the 90s, because um, I was born in 1990, um, but like, I remember when you needed a computer, you needed a tape player, you needed an actual, like, you needed a planner, you needed your, your phone, you needed um, an encyclopedia, you need, like, you needed all these external things. And now today, everything's done by our cell phones. Like everything that we needed, like a room full of equipment can all be done by like something that's not even like, you know, if it's in the palm of my hand. And so for them, it's like they went from having a tablet to having the um, transporter room to having their like so many different things. And now it's all done by the badge and they can even pull stuff out and like have a 3D model. Right. And it's, That's custom to them. Yeah. It's it's very um, it was it was it was I loved it. I love this. And what did you think about like Discovery? So just now finally integrating to the future. I'm, I'm so glad to see that also, because I think that'll help them in their defenses mm -hmm. in the future, because they have this dilithium that everyone else in the universe wants. So they need to have better uh, technology and like defense mechanisms to, to uh, protect that. Um, and um, it's all customized for each person. Oh, and I like the, how the Federation like ease their training into it. So mm -hmm. they still have like the same, the pilots still have the same dashboard, um, Joanne and um, Detmer, mm -hmm. but their controls are customized to them. And did you notice, did you notice that Detmer was like, did we really need this? And then one of the other guys, I can't think of his name, was like, heck yes, we did. Yeah, yeah, Bryce. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, heck yes almost like she doesn't speak for the rest of us we like this but there's always one person that's like oh new technology <laughs> what? i don't know right and she's like oh, he's like uh yes he did we needed it we don't don't listen to her we needed this <laughs> um it was also fun to see how um Oh, I just had his name on the top on the tip of my tongue. I just lost it. Um, like he kept jumping throughout different scenes. Like Linus. Oh, this isn't Linus, yes. He's like, oh, this isn't the mess hall. Oh, this isn't the science lab. Oh, this isn't. <laughs> and I love that he was like, because it's a learning curve for all of them. He's like, I'm trying to, your personal transporter. I'm trying to figure out where I'm going. And he just sort of pops up in the wrong spot. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm not supposed to be here. Bye. And like he leaves without even like, explaining anything else other than I'm not supposed to be here I'm supposed to, I, this isn't where I was supposed to be yeah yeah uh, once or twice is one thing but I think by like the third or four, he was just got, he got a little annoying for me <laughs> <laughs> it's like dude work this out in the hologram room or something but <laughs> the training pad <laughs> and I felt like he was there at these like kind of like these awkward moments to help with some comic relief and mm -hmm. some that's um, definitely what they used him for <laughs> <laughs>
Um, so when you said that, you know, they had all this dilithium, because yes, they definitely, so Rue made a point of saying their scars were healed and they're becoming more whole again. I wonder, did Starfleet take all the dilithium, like, or take some of the dilithium off of the ship? Because I would think at this point, now that they're falling under the new Starfleet, it would make sense for them to take some of it off of, um, Discovery, not all of it, but like, if they're in a shortage this would be a nice help like help build up their reserves again because right now it doesn't seem like vance is letting discovery go anywhere um go anywhere at the moment just because one still trying to figure out where they fit two um they're not they like they are like they were in the past but now in the future they are a star fleet's secret weapon when they need when it means to get somewhere pretty quickly um, so it's like, do you really need that lithium if they're never going to let you go past this area? Um, so let's give it to ships who may need it. Yeah, um, I think that's a good point to also diversify your one core source of all this resource, right? Mm-hmm. So we don't put all of our money into like one stock. We try to like diverse. I think it would be good for them to diversify. They didn't mention it. Not that I remember. I don't remember that, but I think that would have been good yeah. thing to do. Um, I noticed that Saru was still in yes. the Starfleet uniform from 930 years ago, even though they're part of Federation and he was part of, thank goodness, like the cabinet or the leadership. He just seemed like, like a different addition. So um, I'm hoping they'll officially join and become like part of the ranks and, and change their uniform as well. Otherwise, it seems like they're not really connected even though their equipment's been updated so to me it was like almost like how pike when his people had the different uniforms but like saru's didn't so it's like part of me feels like is starfleet that underfunded because i know they're so much smaller now that like do they have enough uniforms to go around for the entire ship um or like are they again still are you like no, we think of you as family. We just don't have enough uniforms for your entire crew yet. So we're going to wait till we have all of them. Or is it like, you're not really a part of our family yet. So we want you to stand out just so we all know that you're a little bit different. Cause like they did give them the new badges. So they are like sort of blending in, but you're right. Like they don't have the uniform. So what was the reasoning behind it? Was it because you're not fully a part of our Starfleet or we don't view you that way? Or where's we're severely lacking and we just don't have enough uniforms for all you for your entire crew <laughs> at once like what is it i don't it? know it seems like with the programmable matter and mm-hmm. whatever they use to print out the it seems like they should be able to do that if they retrofit it like yeah. the, the ship and mm-hmm. they change even a spore drive you would think that they could i don't know mm-hmm. create 300 new uniforms but <laughs> With Starfleet, but you never know. Yes. <laughs> um, we also get to see that there is, um, between the other captains, we can see that Saru is like itching to like sort of jump into the fight because um, there are things that are going on. It's like, oh, can they wait a week? Because we'll make it there. And how a lot of these missions will take time. And Saru um, is like, well, sir, we can jump in. And Vance, I like that Vance didn't use them because one, he's like, we cannot be too reliant I feel like he's it's smart. Like you cannot be too reliant on them to be able to be everywhere at once because then you're making other star other ships feel obsolete. I know you want to prove yourself, but let us handle things the way you've been handling them because one, all of Starfleet is aware of the way we current do things or the way we currently do things. And two, 
we need to keep you as a as a secret because we don't know when we might need you and we don't want to make you a bigger target than what you already are um what you could possibly be because everyone is going to realize oh you can jump from one from what for anywhere in the galaxy at once that is a highly high like people are not going to want to kill like people are not going to want to destroy the ship they're going to want to take the ship over and like use it for themselves so it's like we need to protect you at all costs and i think that is a important task i think it's i think it's good that vance is keeping that behind like behind the scenes right now and so they're way more acclimated to the future and understanding the new policies of starfleet right and he hinted towards a third major thing in that a war might possibly break out something really important might break out in the next few hours so it'd be nice if everyone could just everyone i'll say that again everyone Everyone. (laughs) can just hold tight just in case you need it for a bigger mission yes um everyone needs to stay there because and they was like it may happen in 12 hours at any time within 12 hours and so we need you to be able to jump there immediately if if it comes up that we need that we need to assist um so it's um i i am loving to see that vance is a very competent leader and i love that vance is not an emotional leader i love that he is a straightforward by the book like personal feelings aside this is about starfleet and what's best for starfleet not about what's best for you or making you feel like his 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 goal is not to make saru feel like i'm number one i'm number one he's his goal is to make like saru you're part of the team when i need you i'll call you up otherwise sit still and that's what makes saru sort of a good captain because he understands it's not personal it's professional right another thing that i noticed from vance is that some of the missions he discussed with that senior uh with the the leaders was Mm -hmm. a mission to help deliver food and supplies Mm -hmm. like a humanitarian mission and i thought that that was right on point because that's what the united earth president like wasn't doing and that's Mm -hmm. why there was that tension between like when and like there that's why they were after to try to they just needed some basic they needed food (laughs) and so they were doing whatever they could piracy to get food it could get rations and um i thought that it was it was just um I don't know the best thing to do is that when you're part of a collaborative to do that and um it just shows the differences between those two leadership groups definitely um and I maybe it's also because I just am attracted to Vance but you know he's just doing such a great job (laughs) okay that is enough of me Andrea um okay so moving on I'm sorry, people. I just love seeing him on my screen. Um, so moving on, before we go to break, I do want to talk about um, uh, Stamets, Paul, and him and his connection that he has with Tall. Um, because we see that Tall is still talking to her boyfriend. And Dara is still talking to her boyfriend. And um, she feels like she's crazy or she'll she she comes up she's when she's trying to explain to paul she's like saying hey you're gonna think i'm crazy and paul's like try me and it's so it's very interesting because like paul's been through a lot so he's like try me 
let's see who's crazy in this in this scenario. Um, because Andera upgrades the spore drive so Paul doesn't have to be injected every single time to use it. He can just use his fingers and it's much more uh quick, easy, and like efficient. Um and Paul is really grateful for that. Like he doesn't have to be like stuck every single time. Um two that she's able to remove the uh the places he was being injected in she's able to remove those um and to me that's like almost making him feel a little bit more human like how he used to be um and it was like a sweet little scene between them when she's like my boyfriend's here and he's like you know my husband died came back i view life and death differently so it's like he's like almost like you know it's nice to meet you nice to meet him and how she's relaying a conversation oh he likes you and paul is like literally is not judging her does not think she's crazy um he only has one question he's like i just thought it was just the memories and she explains no she can she can see him and talk to him and he has his own thoughts and paul doesn't judge her and when he's talking to hugh later i thought it was just a beautiful scene because he's like I never thought I would meet someone who's sort of going through what I did. And, and that is not even just the loss of a spouse it's or someone you love, but it's like the fact that you can still see them after their death. And he's like, it's nice to have a little connection. It's like almost like a, be a little mentor with her because, um, cause granny, yeah, he's definitely a lot more older than she is. <laughs> so like a friendship, a mentorship between them. Um, so I really thought that scene was really cute. Uh, every scene between them was really cute. I agree with you from the very beginning when Paul entered into engineering and and they were sitting on the floor seeing to be she was working out we're not exactly sure what she was doing no idea. but she was putting something together or taking it apart she was researching and uh he was puzzled like where is this where is that he was con concerned about the change and she helped turn that conversation into like but here's how it can help you. Here's mm -hmm. how all of these changes are, will help make you comfortable. And so I felt like she was helping to turn that whole, I think she helped him adjust mm -hmm. to the new technology. And then in turn, he also helped her also realize that this is okay. Talking it out. Um, he doesn't know exactly what's going on, I think. But he's just trusting her and, and he knows that she's um, young and mm -hmm. she's um, working through this. And as you said, he's not passing judgment on that. And I think that that's just so sweet. So um, um, it, it's, it's a different side of Paul than what we saw in the first season. Completely yeah. different season. He's different. He's Character in big brother art. mode <laughs> where he was so firm and it had to have this or that. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And it was nice to see Paul and Hugh together in like an intimate moment, but that did not show like it that, that didn't show kissing and stuff like that. But it was like, it was a sweet it's, moment it's, that you see a couple, you know, yes. at the end of the day, sharing their day, how comfortable they are with yes. each other. Um, and I like that it, this scene, because I know I've given Hugh and Paul like a lot of crap this season because it seemed like out of nowhere it went from, I'm like, you didn't have this conversation. And it's like, okay, now you had this conversation. You've actually spoken and talked and you guys are on the same page now. Like before it just didn't seem 
like they were a hundred percent. Like it was, it was like they wanted it to be a hundred percent, but they weren't there yet because you didn't have a conversation. Like going into a relationship without actually having a conversation about everything. Oh, I still love you, but there was an issue before. We need to make sure the issue is still not there before we move forward. Otherwise, we're, history is going to repeat itself. And now it's like, I really do feel like they had that conversation off screen because obviously we didn't see it. But now they are at a, they are my couple again. And I'm yeah. just, I'm happy. <laughs> so we, on that note, we are going to take a quick break. Um, and then we'll be right back to discuss the Michael of the episode because she deserves her entire second half. <laughs> so don't go anywhere and we will be right back. And welcome back to Trekkie and Beyond. Are you ready for part two of this episode? Because I don't know if I am, but let's go ahead and discuss. So the second half of this episode is all about Michael and her dumb decisions. Tell me how I really feel. She continuously makes things about herself that don't need to be about herself. And it looks poorly on all of her, uh, all discovery. So let's go ahead and just sort of jump into what Michael is doing in this part of the episode. And I, I want to preface this by saying, I still love her. I just hate how the writers keep doing this to her. Cause she has some great, great, she has a good heart. She cares. She really does love the people she's with. Just stop writing her as like a loner friend. Stop writing her as a loner friend, please just stop. Okay, so on part of this episode, um, Discovery receives a hail from a ship outside of the Starfleet's like hidden little warp zone, wherever it's called, and it's Book's ship, and we see Book's cat, <laughs> and Tilly's like, grudge? And so there's a couple things in that whole scenario, but we'll get to it in a moment once I just, once I just described the whole scenario. Um, and we found out that Book was found, he found another black box from one of the ships from the burn. And we find that Michael is still tracking what's going on with the burn because in her mind, Starfleet can't heal unless they know what happened. And in my mind, that's what's happening in your mind, Michael. Starfleet can't, you can't heal unless you know what happened because you're a science officer and you feel like you need to know the answer to everything. And Starfleet itself is saying, look, this is not our priority right now. We're trying to just keep fires out as they're coming. We don't have time to, to answer this one long answer. And Michael's almost making it seem like they're doing a disservice by not doing it when it's like, sometimes people are just not, it's not as important. It is important, but it's not their only mission right now. And Michael and Giorgio go off to find Book and save him. It's a whole nother colony. And in doing so, she puts like Starfleet in jeopardy. Or like their stand discovery in in jeopardy with Starfleet, um, and while yes, everything sort of ends good and and, and happy go lucky, and we'll save what Vance says to her at the very end for like later part of this the second half of this episode, but this Michael's story was very selfish. Like she was doing a good thing, but she was doing it very selfishly. So let's get into the Michael of the episode. What did you think about her scenes, about her, her part in this episode? First of all, I would like to say that it's very clear that she's in love. Yes. And sometimes when you're in love, you do things that you would not normally do. And she doesn't know how to constrain her emotions, even though she, for the last 
few years, not just a 930 years for the time <laughs> for this time leap, but for most of her Starfleet career, she should understand how to control these emotions and think through things, talk it out with the team and let's work this out. And um, she hasn't learned mm -hmm. since the first time that- she met her. Since the Battle of the Binary Stars, which yeah. I was still going to record is not her fault that the war started, but if she just didn't do what she did, the war would have still started. She just wouldn't have been blamed for it. Right. But it's Kill not the on. first time that she's completely disobeyed a captain. Mm -hmm. That's all. That's And whether you like it or not, Michael, you need to follow your captain. I don't understand why she doesn't get this. <laughs> like rule number one in Starfleet Academy. Um, and I would think also just in Vulcan society that they would understand leadership and hierarchy ranks. So this is puzzling to me. I understand that like she's um, uh, finds this need to like help save um, in this case, save one person over um, potential war that could break out that impacts a lot more other people and really undermining Saru that had her back for a lot of these mistakes along the way that <laughs> and um issues that michael's had and and saru has told her time and time again like i need to trust you mm -hmm. and each time she has undercut that to the point where this was like the deepest cut and there's really no turning back i feel like with saru um for this i partially blame though Giorgio for yeah, Giorgio. <laughs> no, it's not Giorgio's fault. No, but I think Giorgio made it seem as though this was Octarian Giorgio, made it seem as though, okay, I think Michael would have left with or without Giorgio, without Terry and Giorgio. She definitely would have. But Terry and Giorgio, I feel like is a, an accomplice with, in this. Nope. And Terry and Giorgio did warn Michael, though, that Saru's trying to prove himself. Um, but she said, yeah, I'm in it. I'm, I'm, I'm game. I'm in, I'm in for this mission, <laughs> which I think she could have perhaps talked some sense into Michael. Um, so I have to disagree. I'm sorry. This is no one's fault, but Michael's like Giorgio, Giorgio has never considered her part herself a part of discovery. Like she was never really considered herself part of discovery. She considers herself her own person. Um, and like, we didn't even see her in uniform. Yeah. Um, she, Michael was gonna go with or without her regardless. The only thing Giorgio did was made sure she did it in a smart manner. Like, but Michael was going to, this is all Michael's fault. Like, cause she, even when she was there she did dumb decisions and Giorgio was just like, why, like we, you know why we're doing this, right? And you know who you're going to hurt. Like for the fact that Giorgio is almost a voice of reason in this episode, that should be red flags for you, Michael. If Giorgio is telling you, like you said, if Giorgio is telling you Saru's going to get take a ding on this, all of Discovery is going to take a ding on this because you're actively disobeying his orders. She's basically defending the Kelpian. Right. She eats them. And she's defend. She's basically saying you're going to go against his order. 
do you know what you're doing like michael no you slap on the hand bad girl no like don't do this <laughs> um because even when she was talking to saru i think i said this in the last episode she came back to start she's not 100 starfleet right now she's not because she's still she may be physically there but mentally she's not she's used to being a courier for the last year without having to being her own boss when saru was telling her we need to be ready um because a war could break out within 12 hours she's like oh i'll be back before then he's like you're not understanding me and she understood him she just hear she just heard what she wanted to hear which was you have a 12-hour limit and she's like oh i'll be there and back before and he's like you're not going we need like this is where the writers i feel like like, mess up with her because her goal is always to be starfleet first but you're going like you want to be you want to be like all last episode, you were gung ho about proving where, what discovery can do and how they're an asset. And this is your chance to do that, to make sure to follow the order, to make sure you're there. And you go to save someone who's not within Starfleet. And I understand that he's very important to you, but you realize your actions are illegal. Like you are disobeying a direct order. This isn't like I didn't listen to you or you didn't listen to me. This is like, like this is you, this is insubordination. Like this is like, this is illegal within Starfleet. Like, what are you doing? Did you learn nothing from the last time you did this? <laughs> right, right. It's actually every season there's an insubordination because like she was also in trouble with Starfleet when she kidnapped Spock and they were on the run, right? So. <laughs> I feel like these writers never let her truly grow like they make her learn lessons but they ever they never they never let her grow to like where she won't make the same mistakes again and even though you're putting it in a different package and you're wrapping it up differently it's the same mistakes you're having her make every single season almost like clockwork right so well and why here's my problem also with this part of the storyline okay so let's just say that we believe that the that book's ship was able to find them at at the federation headquarters not exactly sure how book ship knew how to do that <laughs> no know the location this of this secret location because they separated a while ago way before um this um finding out the the federation location mm -hmm. um and then bookship was able with the cat with grudge was able to like autopilot to find them and not get um i don't know um uh taken over by another ship that wanted their dilithium so <laughs> this whole, let's, let's let's walk away from that for a moment but i don't understand why michael thought that just the two of them would be able to save the day and and kid, like why it would be on her best interest to bring a whole federation like to take over this slaveless this this colony of slave like um like like this is a massive undertaking okay yes they were able to defeat it but this could have been really bad <laughs> and this has been going on for a long time like so 
And the only reason it didn't go bad was because Giorgio know how, knew how to act the act, like right. walk the walk. She knew how to do the talk. She knew how to basically make those people her, 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 her I, I want to cuss, but I'm trying to keep this thing a PG. Uh, <laughs> but like there, that she made that guy her yeah. whipping boy. Yes, yes. Um, there is another term for that that I was about to say, but I'm trying to keep this, this podcast PG. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but there like- been a lot of- more booby traps there was an invisible fence around um there's a lot of weapons yeah a lot of weapons there so it would have been best to bring in a force there to help take that all down not just the two of you in this one one ship to try to maneuver this that was very risky and uh i'm just disappointed that she doesn't think that think these things through or think that just because she's trying to do it for a right reason, she's not going to face repercussions. Um, Cause like we said in the last episode, you're no longer the ambassador's daughter here. Right. Right. You're not, you're right. just someone who has to prove themselves. You're a grunt. You're, you're new. Everyone else, even the people who have less seniority than you, every single person in, within Starfleet, regardless of their rank outside of discovery has more pull than you do, Michael right you need to sit down right and then why is this one individual book um who we know is uh she's in love with Mm -hmm. but why is book in his black box more important than michael's potential role in helping to save the federation and a potential war like, like mm-hmm. she's just turned a blind eye to everything else and she's off to save her man. And uh, it's just a, it's a flop because I feel like she was so, she felt so, she was just a, such a strong character before. And I don't, I don't like to see female characters that are kind of brought down for another male character to help lift a male character. And I'm, I'm concerned about this it's yes yeah yes that she's his savior i don't want that like it's nice that the woman is not the one who needs the saving but i don't want her to have to save the man at the expense of her career because it's never at the expense of a career for a guy but it's always at the expense of the career for the girl and i don't like that um so then we find out that saru finds out i think from tilly that michael's missing and Tilly's like, oh, I'm sure she had a good reason. And Saru's like, I know the reason. She disobeyed the direct order, basically. And Tilly's like, oh, what? And then so Tilly surprised me because she's like, well, then you need to tell the Admiral. And that's when I was like, okay, Tilly, I have mad respect for you. Because Tilly understood in that moment, it's not about the fact that we're friends, Michael. It's about the fact that your actions are going to reflect poorly on all of Discovery. Because you can't listen. And Tilly was like, Saru, you need to tell the Admiral before he finds out from anyone else. Like, because if he does, it's going to look like you were trying to keep something from him. And it's going to look bad for all of us. And Tilly understood it's not about you, Michael. Like, we may have came to the future for you, uh, for, with you, um, but you can't ruin our, our chances of being respected here because you can't follow orders. And I think... Um, Unlike with the battle of the binary stars and everything else, her actions, like now it, it's, she, I feel like she'll face more repercussions with her actions now 
at, um, if, her, if her discovery crew turns their back on her, not to say that Tilly will, but like for discovery to understand, Michael, your actions now, you this could be have horrible repercussions for everyone. We have nothing. We have nothing else but this. Right. You cannot risk this for us. Right. And I don't think Michael's going to basically really understand until she comes to terms with it. Does not matter what you want. What matters is what you're ordered to do. And in this sense, you risked all of discovery. Um, and then Latilly tries to lie, like I would have done the same thing. And Sue's like, no, you wouldn't have. Don't lie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was Tilly trying to be like the nice kind like friend mm -hmm. <laughs> like, but I think I I agree with her initial judgment um at first I was a little puzzled by why Michael and Tilly were still roommates um when um they like showed that grunge was in um, their shared quarters because like Arium had a separate room a few other people had their own quarters so I was a little puzzled by that and then I remember like Michael and Tilly were like the odd couple and mm -hmm. Michael was helping to mentor Tilly so that she could um, move up in ranks um, and um, in Starfleet. Uh, but now I feel like Tilly is more grown up and able to make better decisions than Michael. And they should say, and now that Michael's no longer like, well, we, we now know like Michael has been demoted, but they should stay as roommates because <laughs> Michael needs to like <laughs> absorb some of these, some of what Tilly has learned. And uh, I think Tilly could be a good sounding board for Michael to talk these things through. Um, definitely. I, I agree. I definitely agree. Um, so when Michael gets back from saving everyone, and she does save the, the slaves and all that stuff. She does save them. She saves book, gets the black box. Um, she comes back and Vance basically has her rip herself a new one <laughs> and explaining that one, he may not, he may have authorized the trip. Um, like I think Vance would have authorized the trip if they had came to him, maybe not in that moment, but he definitely would have, okay, we're, we're going to go and save him. But first things first, we need to handle this. Right. Um, and then two, basically brought her down saying like you cannot put yourself sort of above others um that the burn is not something that starfleet can really work on i liked how vance sort of took her down had her take herself down a peg because i think michael only really listens to michael truly and so for her to have to like break down because she wasn't saying like a petulant child who was um like I'm in trouble because I went outside when you told me not to. Like she, you could tell she actually felt upset that she was being reprimanded. Um, because he had to say, you know, you could, you, yes, you saved the world and you're from the past and all that stuff. That doesn't mean anything to us. And I think that's an eye opener for her too. Like we don't care. Okay. We don't care. Like you're not important. You can be replaced. Basically, the only person on Discovery who can be replaced is Paul. So like everyone else, <laughs> like it's it's a um, it's a uh, I, I think it's, this is an eye opener for her because it's like you're not important to Discovery. You think you are. We can still separate you. 
Um, and so I, like that, at least that's the feeling I got when he was having her like reprimand herself. It was like, and the only reason he's like, the only reason you're not in jail is because you saved lives. And if you didn't save life, it's like interesting to know, like if you didn't save lives, I would have been putting you in the brig because what you did was illegal. This isn't like, oh, uh, I don't, this isn't me saying, oh, I don't think you should go and you still went. This is, you were ordered not to by your captain and you still went against his rules. And then we see that like he leaves it up to Saru. And I think that was a real test for Saru for, with Vance. It's like, it's like, I'm leaving your punishment up to him. And Saru was like, he admitted to uh, Tilly earlier that he's never felt this level of distrust since the since the Shinjo, and he demotes her from his number one to just the chief science officer. And I find it interesting that he did that because I don't think she should have ever been his number one just yet in the first place. Because even the last episode is sort of showed, and the episode before that is sort of showed that she still thinks of herself as like a lone wolf type person like we're friends but at the end of the day i'm gonna rely on myself and the number one needs to be the person that the captain can truly rely on and she wouldn't have been there if the if the captain had needed her because she went on her own thing so it was like nice that she got demoted and i'm happy that she was like surreal you're doing the right thing um because she deserves it she deserves to be the she honestly deserves to be less than this chief science officer in my opinion because that person still has sort of sway and i think she needs to be kicked down to instant again because i think when she joined starfleet she never joined as a grunt in my i don't think right right no when saris brought her on board um she was not the at the level that tilly was yeah i I think she should have been demoted further um because that was a that was a um one it would be like a warning to everyone we're friends we're family but you don't get to do whatever you want to do like that's that time is that part of starfleet is over we don't have friends anymore that we can pull strings like oh well i understand your character she's never gonna do that again or i understand why you did that this starfleet is strapped with resources they're strapped with people they're strapped all around they cannot risk having someone on their staff who won't listen. They can't, it's not possible. Um, so I do like that she was reprimanded and, dis- and demoted. Um, I do hope she, she proves herself later and like comes back, but she needed this. Her personality needed this. I agree, I agree. And I wonder if this was in their regular like timeline if this would have happened if she felt as though with her year away with her year outside like going rope like I don't know being a courier if she felt more independent and able to take more risks if she would have done this before it seemed like she I don't know who knows with Michael um, and how they would write this character I just I felt like the writers just took this in a different the writing just didn't have to go there with this yeah. um and I, I was really hoping that the, that michael would have learned from all of all of all of this we've gone through before um yeah there was something else oh georgio yeah georgio had right. like an outer body experience um during one of their fights and at another time so Although, like, I have a love-hate relationship with Georgia, I'm, I'm a little worried. 
she adds no, another too. dynamic to to that ship yeah she definitely adds a ruthlessness that sometimes i think discovery needs not all the time definitely not all the time but she adds a sense of are we going to do this or not um and you all in every organization there's always that person who needs you need someone who can get their hands dirty because everything can't be cemented in peace you, you can't trust everyone like you need someone who is able to go undercover so well like she does you need someone who can be so sneaky when it comes to um missions because starfleet like tilly stands out like a sore thumb like just stands out like a sore thumb when she tries to go undercover you need someone who's so easy who can easily like meld into any type of um scenario situation and Giorgio brings that she brings them to a different level of thinking like they always think so honorable and Giorgio's like they don't care they no, that's not how we do things that's that or that's not how they do things so if you want to win if you want to save those people this is how you're gonna have to save those people because you can't save everyone with peace we learned that when um discovery first arrived and those people were going to kill everyone and this and it took Giorgio defeating them all with action to like so you need her you may not you don't need a lot of her you don't need more than one of her <laughs> but like you need everyone needs one of her on their ship someone who can do the work that needs to be done to keep peace so i hope she's okay i hope that, i hope whatever happens is it makes me think that the guy the guy from the last episode who she did her interview with i wondered like did he is he making her sick or what what or if what he was talking about um, with the, when it came to the Terran species, is that true? Mm. So all I know is that Michael would not have survived that mission if it wasn't no. for Giorgio. Oh, yeah, no, she <laughs> would not have at all. Whatever. But that because you need someone like Giorgio who can blend. <laughs> um, yeah, no, Michael would have not survived at all. Um, <laughs> We don't know though if this uh, Star if the future Starfleet has a Section Thirty One. Um, if they do, I think this Giorgio would thrive in that scenario. Mm. I hope she goes back to Section. Like I do like her as a, a regular and a main character, um, but I know that actress is also booked and busy. So like I hope that <laughs> if they like do sort of like use this as a way of writing her off for a bit that like she goes to section 31 because they have like a cure or something and then she stays there um or whatever counts for their section 31 in the future um so any final thoughts before we come to the end of this episode uh i miss jet just yeah. wanted to say that she's missing even though there were a few scenes in engineering um she wasn't there and um, that's a little disappointing that these characters just come and go sometimes. sometimes. Especially for someone who's supposed to seem like almost like a main character. But yeah. they're not like a side character who just has like a bit. We see Linus more than we see Jet. And I need to understand why. <laughs> right. It's like either Linus or Jet. It's like, what was hard to see both? <laughs> like, that's, yes. <laughs> okay. Yes, that's true. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Um, my final thoughts is I 
I hope Michael uses this as a learning experience and I hope the writers actually have her learn from these mistakes and stop having her make the same mistake in a different color because I'm tired. I'm tired of her never learning. I'm tired of her never knowing. So that is all I have to say. Anything to add? There's one more thing that, um, one more character we didn't really talk about and we mentioned, but the book. So his character is back and uh, there was a nice kiss between them. And uh, let's see where this relationship goes. <laughs> I will have to say one thing though, compared to her kiss with Ash, that was a little dry. <laughs> like compared to her, like when I saw them kissing, I was like, I've seen better kisses on K-dramas. Um, <laughs> like they were the turbo lift and light he paused it. Like beamed in. He paused the turbo lift. He stopped it. And that is when you push someone up against the wall, lift them up, have them wrap their legs around you. Whenever in any romance movie, book, scene, show, whatever, and you're in the elevator with someone and they stop it so you can have a moment, you have more. She had a more, she had a better goodbye kiss with Ash than I saw the kiss with the book. I mean, yes, I'm happy that they kissed because we can definitely see that there's something going to happen between them. But like, I was expecting her to be pushed up against the wall. She's trying to take it slow and easy with, with book. And she wasn't ready to love there. Get it? <laughs> like she was, <laughs> like, was she... book, I was expecting to see some tongue. I was expecting to see her being pushed up against the wall. And like, cause you wanted that girl for a year. We all know you wanted that girl for a year. And that kiss was like, oh, we've been dating for 10 years makeout session we haven't met on such a long time <laughs> i'm just glad it wasn't at the on the planet when he when yes. she say i'm glad it was at another moment with reflection i hate it when there's like when they're their storylines and they're in the midst of an adventure and time is of the essence and they need to kiss and make out like really i thought time was so and then like time stands still and the camera zooms and zooms and zooms and zooms like, and now you have to save the day like what happened to that no okay <laughs> all right everyone so we want to say thank you again for joining us today um i hope you had fun listening to this episode as we did recording it i probably had a little too much fun but we never know these things <laughs> but as always i'm andrea and i'm anika and live long and, long prosper. and prosper. Hey guys, it's Andrea. Thank you for listening to the most recent episode of our podcast, Trekking and Beyond. Don't forget to subscribe to keep up with the latest episodes. If you enjoyed listening to us, please go ahead and support us by clicking that support button in the episode's description. We greatly appreciate it. As always, live long and prosper.